My name is Stuart Albright. This is a podcast about the messes we make and the messes we endure as our parents get older. It's a story about illness and loss, but it's also a story about joy. In many ways, it was easier to have mom living at our house. No more phone calls in the middle of the night to tell us when she'd fallen. We could check her weight every morning to see if she was gaining fluid. And if she started to get manic again, we could see the early signs right away. I moved my online classroom to a tiny corner of my bedroom. Kason did school from his bedroom next door. Brett turned the kitchen into his classroom and Jenny set up her office in the basement. Mom slept most of the day while we did online school. As soon as mom moved in, the oxygen company brought over an emergency tank for us to store in her, in her closet. It was about six feet tall and looked like a hydrogen bomb. And if the power went out, it would give us about eight hours of oxygen. Her lungs were so weak that she couldn't live very long without it. We only had to deal with one power outage due to an ice storm. I'd installed an alarm to let me know when the power went out. So when the alarm started to blare at 3 in the morning, I was able to hook mom up to the hydrogen bomb and keep her alive. A few weeks later, we had a tornado threat and had to move everyone into the basement. That worked out fine, but getting mom back up the stairs sapped every bit of energy out of her. In the past, I had always seen power outages and storm threats as minor inconveniences. But when you live with someone whose life depends on an oxygen tank, losing power becomes a matter of life and death got me thinking about all the other families going through something like this, with a loved one shackled to an oxygen tank or a dialysis machine or too sick to get out of bed, living a hidden life behind closed doors while the world moves on without them. At this point, mom couldn't do much of anything, but she still loved to eat. She came alive at mealtime and devoured all the good food that Jenny put on her plate. We'd play oldies music on the radio and she'd sing along to every song, using a fork for a microphone. Mom got her exercise by walking laps across the kitchen, and I liked to play the Rocky theme song or Eye of the Tiger to keep her moving. Soon after she moved in, Jenny asked my mom if we could record her thoughts about loss. At this point, her energy level was pretty good, as you can maybe tell through this audio. Nancy, what have you lost? I've lost a bunch of stuff. And I want to kiss you at the end of this. Okay. Because I want to thank you and my son for taking me in to live with them. So I've gained that huge amount. But November 2nd, I lost my husband of 49 and a half years. That was a big loss. I lost my health. Went down the drain, spent time in a nursing home <laughs> for about a year, then wound up in another home. And so finally, I landed in Durham. And what a lovely place to be. Just uh, enjoy every minute. Enjoy every minute. And I've gotten more, I've gained more than I've lost. If you look back on it, if you really look back on it, it was like different things happened to me. Even though it was terrible, all the way along the way, something really good would happen. And I found that to be true in my life. So 
I'm going to smooch on this girl because she <laughs> took me in. <laughs> Let me come live with her, which is very most unusual. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. Winter turned into spring. As the weather warmed up, I started to take Mom on afternoon walks around our neighborhood. I'd put her in a wheelchair and strap a tank to the back of the wheelchair. I pushed her up the hills while Brett and Kaysen pushed her downhill. Sometimes Mom would sleep the whole time and it had to look to our neighbors like we were pushing a dead body down the street. Other times she would ask the boys about their school days and smile as they talked about books and video games and all the things that boys talk about. She loved to look at the flowers blooming in our neighbors' yards. Look at that purple one, Mom, I would say. Or, can you smell the honeysuckle over there? The boys would bring the honeysuckle over to her, and she'd close her eyes with delight as she put the sweet nectar in her mouth. Mom forced me to slow down and appreciate the world around me, which is something I've never been very good at doing. I noticed the blooming flowers, the fresh spring air, the sound of my boys chattering away as we walked, the neighbor who always waved to me as I walked by and clutched her hands to her chest as if to say, I know what you're going through, and you are doing the right thing by your mom. When we got back to the house, I had helped mom up the six stairs to our front door, and I could measure the progress of her illness by how long it took to get up those stairs, how many minutes she had to sit in her chair afterwards until she could breathe regularly again, how long it took to get her oxygen levels back up to 90. The weather got warmer and these afternoon walks got harder and harder, but I didn't want to give them up because giving them up meant that the end was near. We played card games in the den and ping pong on the kitchen table. Mom loved it when Kaysen scratched her back in the evening, and she loved to watch movies with the boys. By the time we got to May, she could only make it through the first 30 minutes of a movie before she had to take a nap, but that was okay because she was happy and she was safe. We brought in hospice and Mom heard for the first time that she didn't have much longer to live. She was surprised. I wondered how she could be surprised, but then I remembered that this was Nancy Albright, and Nancy Albright didn't believe that she could die. I was worried that this would set off another manic episode, but she took it all in stride. Some of Mom's closest friends came to Durham to see her. Everyone knew that it was the last time they would be together, but no one wanted to acknowledge it. They just wanted to laugh with her again and talk about all the good times they had in the past. Our weekends filled up with these visitors because Mom had so many good friends. They sang songs and laughed and scratched Mom's back as she slept in their laps. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. Mom's eyes are closed as the Wetzel sisters harmonize in front of her, but she sings along to every word. 
Jordan swelling tide. <laughs> Just keep Christ as your conductor on this lightning train of life. Always mindful of obstructions. Do your duty, never fail. Just keep your hand upon the On Mother's Day, we had a party for her. Rob and his family came over, and we decided to make a short movie with Nanny and her grandkids. But Nancy Albright doesn't do normal family videos. That would be boring. So instead, we made a Star Wars parody in which Nanny is a Jedi Knight being held prisoner by an evil villain wearing a werewolf mask. Rob got to be the villain and probably freaked out a lot of our neighbors as he ran around our neighborhood in his werewolf mask. The movie starts with Nanny tied to a post and desperately crying out for help. But Nanny, the Jedi warrior, isn't alone. Her four grandkids come to the rescue, and they wheel Nanny away as the evil villain throws flaming bombs at them. I love to look at this film because Mom is completely in her element, bringing this story to life in the same way she used to bring the telltale heart to life in my classroom. Explosions go off all around her as her grandsons push her in her wheelchair at top speed. She urges them onward through the explosions with her thick white hair blowing in the breeze. The movie ends with the werewolf villain blocking the street. The four boys stare at the villain with their mouths wide open, but Nanny isn't afraid. She closes her eyes and raises her right arm, channeling the force. Then she opens her eyes and lifts the villain into the air with her Jedi strength and throws him to the ground. The four grandkids celebrate by crowding around Nanny and raising their arms to the air. They have won the battle, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that none of us will ever forget this Mother's Day. I can still picture my mom with her arms held high on that bright spring day. The force has always been strong with my mother. It will always be strong with her.
MS Podcast was written and edited by me, Stuart Albright, with grateful assistance from Robert Albright, Molly Albright, and Jenny Albright. Technical support and resources were provided by the Jordan Innovation Lab. This podcast attempts to honor the complicated legacy of my parents, Nancy and Alan Albright. If you have questions or comments, feel free to contact me at stuartalbright at yahoo.com.